I sat back here and observed Eddie leading singing and Drew and Zach sitting behind the pulpit. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And now this Sunday, you get Ray and I up here, these white-haired men. And if we would have had Sylvan or Dan Hurst lead singing, yet we could call it Oldies Sunday. But what a blessing it is. I can't, I can't even put into words the joy that it, that it gives me to see young people plugging into ministry and doing a great job and throwing their, putting their hearts into it. What a, what a blessing it is to see that. Friday a week ago, June 3rd, uh, three-year-old Riker Webb, little three-year-old boy, little red-headed boy, in the state of Montana, near Troy, Montana, was beautiful day, and he's playing outside with his dog. And some, sometime in the afternoon, his mother discovered that he was missing. He wasn't there anymore. The dog was still there, but the little boy is gone. And a very adventurous little guy. Little Riker loved to, his, his passion in life seemed to be bugs and insects. And they said he was always turning rocks over and looking for bugs and insects and what have you. And so she intently starts searching and calling for him and spent two hours until she realized this is, is futile and, and she called for help. And so search and rescue comes in and, and uh, everybody's, or they, they're all spreading out and looking for little three-year-old Riker who's missing. And to add to the drama, there's a, a cold fronts coming in that night and they had severe thunderstorm warnings out and we're expecting uh, some severe weather and for the temperatures to drop. And the search was futile. They could not find Riker, and the storm did come through, thunderstorm, and temperatures went down to 40 degrees that night, a low of 40, and no Riker anywhere. And so Saturday, they, everybody's together and spent the, after spending Friday night searching, why they spent all day Saturday searching, and still nothing. It's just spread out everywhere and, and uh, couldn't find uh, little Riker. Every parent's nightmare, you could say. A little child missing. And so Saturday night, the call went out for volunteers to join the search team on Sunday. And this happens to be in the very same area that Eva Zimmerman's grandson, Dwight, and his wife, Faith, live in. And... Uh, they had some guests for the weekend. There was a wedding in the, in the area there, and some of, uh, at least one of, of uh, Dwight's brothers was out. And so Dwight told, the fam told the, his brother's family on Saturday night, well, the men aren't going to church tomorrow morning. We're going to go help search for little Riker. And so Sunday morning, they joined the, the search team where they were having a briefing at daybreak, and the uh, the guys doing the briefing said, just warned them all. He said, you have to, you have to remember, there's, there's mountain lions, there's bears in the area, lots of them. And so we're not only looking for Riker, but we're also anything looking for shredded clothing, anything of, of you be on the lookout for clothing that would uh, indicate that he was maybe the lions or the, the bears got to him. And so... They spread out and they're searching all Sunday morning into Sunday afternoon. And sometimes Sunday afternoon, there was a, one of the groups, they were all split up in small groups, and one of the small groups was 
was walking down a, a driveway towards a remote cabin. And here the owners drove into the cabin, and they were just on a Sunday afternoon coming to check up on their remote cabin. And they stopped and said, what's, what's going on? They said, well, there's a little boy missing. Oh, they didn't know anything about it. And so they're, as they're explaining to them about the disappearance of this little boy and how they're out looking for him, they heard a whimper in a utility shed next to the cabin and it, where they had a generator to power the cabin and a few other things stored in there. And so they went over to this utility shed and went inside, and sure enough, there was little Riker curled up in the grass catcher bag of the lawnmower to obviously to stay warm. And he was all curled up in there and dirty as could, you can imagine what you look like when you crawl out from a, a grass catcher bag. But the, everybody was rejoicing. Riker was found safe and sound uh, a little over two miles from his home in a very remote part of, of Montana. And so it had a very happy ending. I don't know, when you think about being lost, I'm not sure what, what comes to your mind. When I think about being lost, there's, I had two experiences in life. One was as a young boy, uh, we were at, my parents had the family at the Philadelphia Zoo. And I don't know, I was probably a kindergartner somewhere around there. And I remember I suddenly got separated from my family. And all I remember to this day is being at the Philadelphia Zoo and sitting on a bench with some stranger consoling me and saying, just stay here, stay here. I don't know how long it was, but after a while, here, come my, here comes my father. And I was so relieved. And, I, and But it it's, has stuck with me all these years. I was lost. I was separated. And it's just a horrible feeling. And I had a few experiences in the woods. One of them sticks out in my mind as a young guy before... Uh, Today, you have, we have these apps on our phones where we uh, track ourselves into the woods and we follow our track back out, and it's pretty easy. Uh, the, poor thing, the sad thing is you don't learn how to use a compass. But back in the day, uh, I, I do carry a compass today, and, but back as a young teenager, I didn't carry a compass. I thought I didn't need one of them. But I remember one evening archery hunting, and it got dark, and I'm walking out of the woods, and I'm, I have all my archery gear, and I'm walking and walking and walking. I'm not getting to where I thought I was going to be. And after a while, I stopped and I noticed this tree stand. Well, I never, never knew there's a tree stand in here like that. I looked at it. And I kept going and going and going and going. And after a while, I thought, well, here's another tree stand. It's the same one. I walked in a big circle. And just the, the panic that starts gripping you, like, I'm, am I really lost? How do I get out of here? It's just a very, very uncomfortable feeling. Most of us remember two years ago, 2020, Linda Stolzfus in bird in hand, young Amish girl, walking on her way home from church was abducted, and it was some 10 months until they found her body. But in that 10th in that month uh, time period, many of us were praying for the family and, and, uh, and wanting her, the case to be resolved, wanting her to be found hoping that she would be found alive. But in, the, in all of that, I remember thinking, uh, trying to relate to what the family's going through. And I really believe it's impossible to grasp. And the only way you can even try to grasp is think, 
is to play the game of suppose it's my wife that can't be found, or suppose it's my child, suppose it's my grandson or my granddaughter, and think of your grandchildren, think if it would be one of them or one of my children that now it's a day, now it's a week, now it's a month, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's many years, the agony that you go through because someone is lost. The street preacher, Ray Comfort, many of you know who, when I say Ray Comfort, you immediately know who I'm talking about. He's a a street evangelist and does a a good job at what he does. And he was was interviewed recently, and they asked him a question. They said, what what motivates you to spend your life preaching on the streets of America and other parts of the world as well. And he said, well, when I sit down, it doesn't matter where I'm at, when I sit down in a park or a bus or I'm walking and I I just look at somebody and I'm suddenly struck with the feeling that they, they could be lost. Maybe this individual is lost. And his, he has a very uh, non-threatening line that he usually uses when he starts talking to somebody. And he simply says, do you believe in an afterlife? Which opens up a discussion and he can very quickly discern whether somebody's lost and needs help to be found or not. And it's just a a passion that he has. And it's a passion that all of us should have and for, for the people that are lost among us because the truth is that all of us at a time in our lives were lost. My message title for this morning, and when I give my title, you'll know exactly where to turn in your Bibles. My message title is Lost, a Sheep, a Coin, and a Son, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, and let's start reading at verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance." Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and seek, sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divideth unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, 
and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring in his hand and shoes in his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. All three were lost. An animal, a coin, and a son. Is Jesus talking physically or spiritually or both? Well, in the case of the sheep and the coin, it was definitely physically. In the case of the son, it is definitely uh, spiritually. I also believe that with the sheep and the coin, there are spiritual implications that we can draw from both of these stories. Are the three stories parables? Well, uh, no doubt, well, he's very clear that the, that the sheep is a parable, and no doubt the coin probably is also. But when you come to the, to the account of the prodigal son, it says, a certain man, and my, I always believe that that is a true story because of the way he... Uh, the way he starts there, but not positive. Some people put that in the category of parables also. I just want to say up front that uh, when, you, when you look at, these, at the parables and the story of the prodigal, there are varying opinions among believers what you could draw from them, and I'm not claiming to know everything about them. But I just like to give you some of the insights that I've had over the years as, as I've read these parables and the account of the prodigal. I'm going to look at all three together. And I just, I just have ten observations that I want to make this morning from these three uh, accounts. And the first thing, I just want to think about the word lost. The word lost in Greek means to destroy fully, to perish Literally or figuratively, to die, to lose, or again, to, to perish. And so to be lost is a very, very serious thing. The first observation I want to make is that all three were lost. Even the son who left intentionally, he left of his own free will, uh, he he got his inheritance from his father, and, and, uh, and after a few days, it says he, he left. I'm out of here. And his father makes it very clear that my son, when he came back, he said, my son that was lost is now found. And so all three were lost. And second observation I want to make is that all three were found. Even the son who returned on his own, the father said, he was found. Now, in, we know that in real life that doesn't always happen. Uh, 
And so we, I want to think about that just a little bit. In baseball, we would say that's 100% batting average, uh, up three times and a hit every time. All three were, were found. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, it talks about the wide gate and the narrow gate. And it says there's few that find uh, the narrow gate. And so scripture is very clear that there's, there's really only few that are found of the lost, which is very, very alarming, but we know that to be true. Scripture is very clear on that. Which brings me to my third point and third observation is that it is the heart of God that all lost would be found. That is the heart of God. And I find it interesting that in, in the teachings here of Jesus that in all three cases they're found. And that is the heart of God. It's what he wants. He wants, and there's different scriptures we get turned to, to to bring that point out too. But it's the heart of God that all lost would be found. As we think about that, I just like to to uh, to say this: as we th- all that it's God's heart that all loss would be found. True love, which God certainly has and is the very source of true love, hopes and longs for it, makes provisions for it, but stops short of forcing the loss to be found. That's true love. He does not force the lost to be found. But he makes provisions for it. And it's his heart that it would happen. My fourth observation is the seriousness of being lost. When you look at these three accounts, we see the, the seriousness of it. We see the, the shepherd leaving the 99 uh, you have 99, you have 100 sheep, and one of them wanders off. We can't be certain if, if this sheep intentionally did it, or if it was, if it was like me at the Philadelphia Zoo, and suddenly I'm, I'm not paying attention, and suddenly I don't know where I'm at, or like little Riker, suddenly you're, you're, you realize you're lost. We're not sure exactly what happened there, but it, it brings out, in these three accounts, it brings out the seriousness of it. Uh, the shepherd left 99 to go look for the one. The woman that lost a coin uh, got her broom out and sweeping the dirt on the floor just diligently looking for the coin that she had lost. So we can draw the conclusion from, from the three accounts that a human soul is very, very valuable. It is, it is worth all the effort anyone could put forth to recover, to find a lost soul. My fifth observation is that being lost is a very personal thing. You know, the, the sheep was lost by himself. The coin was lost by himself. 
the son was lost by himself. It is a very personal thing that we as humans can relate to. Our fallen nature that we are born with, we are born, we reach the age of accountability, we are lost. And it's a personal thing. It's not a collective thing. It's, it's, I personally need to deal with the fact that I am lost, as in these three accounts. The sixth observation I want to make is that personal choice is very, very real. In the account of the sheep and the account of the coin, we had the owners out there, the shepherd and the lady out there, diligently uh, looking for that which was lost. But in the account of the prodigal son, it brings it out uh, in, a, in a very real way that we can all uh, understand. In verses 12 and 13, uh, it says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He made a personal choice, this son, and he was out of there. He asked his father for his inheritance, which I marvel at when I read this account that his father was, yeah, I'll give you your portion of the inheritance and your, bro your, other, your brother his portion of the inheritance. And I have to wonder if the father didn't realize that his son is, is uh, really struggling in his life and, and maybe he feared his son was going to leave and maybe he thought, if I give him his inheritance, maybe he'll stay with me. I mean, how much more generous could I be than to give him his inheritance? He gives him his inheritance, but a couple days later, he makes a personal choice and he leaves. And so being lost is a personal uh, choice. To remain lost, I should say, is a personal choice. To be lost is, simply comes by our nature. But then, in the case of the prodigal, when you come down to uh, verse 17, it, it shows where he has a change of heart and decided that he no longer wanted to be lost. And it simply says in the beginning of verse 17, and when he came to himself, he came to his senses, he said, you know what, I'm lost, and I don't want to be lost, and he had a desire to be found, and he made a personal choice to go back, to be reunited with his father, to ask for forgiveness, and so he had a personal choice to make, he could remain being lost, or he could go back and reconcile with his father. And for each one of us that was lost or that is lost, it's a personal choice to remain lost or to return to our creator and to be found. It is a personal choice. Romans 14, 12 says, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. There's a lot of people today make excuses. You can make ex you, people make excuses. My parents, my spouse, my siblings, my friends, 
my church, my lack of church, the country I live in, or I was mistreated, and we could go on and on and on making excuses. Look at the account of the lost coin. When I read that, I marvel because the coin was lost by its owner. And you know, there's a lot of people that blame God for being lost. It's all God's fault. And so you can make all kinds of excuses, but none, it still comes down to that it's a personal choice that a person is making if they remain lost. You and I are personally responsible. The seventh observation I want to make is that privilege is very real. And we want to think about this just a little bit. Uh, and, and these three accounts, I think, bring it out. Privilege is very real. The sheep was one of a hundred. The coin was one of ten. The son was actually one of two. Talk about having it pretty good, working with his father, working with his brother. How could have life been any better? And he walked away from it. And you can look at the, the account of the sheep and the coin, and you can say, well, the coin certainly had nothing to do with it. The owner misplaced it and lost it in the dirt of the, uh, in the corner of the house somewhere. The sheep may have wandered away on his own or may have intentionally done it. We're not sure. But in, in those cases, there was... Uh, uh, nothing close to the, to the responsibility that the son had where he was like, he seemed to have everything going for himself and he walked away from it. And it's true that all of us, all of mankind is lost. But I believe it's very true that so many of us have privilege that other people don't have. And I'm talking to a, to a group of people this morning that have a lot of privilege. Uh, for example, uh, Marion had a friend some years ago that was, what, Buddhist, and uh, grew up in a, in a Buddhist home, and Marion's talking to her one day, and she said, so, you know, do you believe in an afterlife? Do you think about death? Do you fear death? And her response was, no, I'll come back as something. And it's like, what? To, to you and I, that's far. We, would, we don't think like that. We were never taught like that. But if you're taught in the doctrine of reincarnation and you believe it as a young child and you grow up believing that, you don't, you're not privileged like those of us who had parents that took us to church and, and read the Bible to us and, and, and taught us about the ways of, of God and the, and the teachings of Jesus. So privilege is very, very real. And the Bible is also clear that privilege makes us more accountable. We're just as lost, but it makes us more accountable. And there's uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48 really bring that out. I could have been born in San Francisco. I could have been born in Iraq. I could have been born to 
a crack addict mother. I could have had Muslim parents, Hindu, Buddhist. I could have been indoctrinated in false teachings. Could have been in, could have had cult uh, parents, people involved in a cult. So the truth is that we are very, very privileged, but we still need to be found. My eighth observation I want to make is that the coin was lost at home. When you think about it, stop and consider this. So here you have a, a I'm, I'm, I'm picturing a small house. The lady has 10 silver coins, and out of the 10, one is lost. One silver coin is lost. And she diligently gets her broom out and sweeps and she looks and looks and looks until she finds uh, this lost coin. It was so close to the other nine coins that were so secure in her safe spot that she had for her coins, and yet it was lost. Practically, in, practically you could say almost an arm's distance away from the lady, so close, and yet it's lost. And that, I, I believe, just brings out the reality that somebody could be lost right here at Myerstown Mennonite Church. Someone could be lost, so close, and yet lost. And that's just a, a sad thing to think about. I believe that every Sunday, when our Sunday school teachers get ready to teach their, their Sunday school lesson, Sunday school superintendent gets ready to have his devotional, and preacher gets ready to have the message, and that deep in our hearts, we should understand that it's very true that it's possible that someone is going to be lost that's going to be listening to me today. And... We're praying that the God could speak to them through the word and that if somebody is so close in the house but lost that they could be found that they could be found. Someone that is very valuable, full of potential, but lost in the dark and the filth of the world. Or perhaps in legalism, as were the scribes and the Pharisees. At the beginning of this chapter, I didn't read the first couple of verses. But it's the scribes and the Pharisees that prompted Jesus to share uh, the parables here and the account of the prodigal that he shared. My ninth observation is the personal journey from lost to found, and this applies to everyone regardless of age. And it is a, it is a humiliating journey. It is brought out by the account of the prodigal son. And I already uh, read verse 18 there where he says, where the prodigal son says, I, he came to himself and he says, I'm going to arise and I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to confess to God and to my father and ask him to take me back 
as one of his hired servants. Now you talk about a picture of somebody being totally at the end of themselves. It's the prodigal son. And you know one of the things that always amazes me when I read the account of the prodigal son is that he, he gets this in his heart and he heads back to his father. His father sees him coming at a distance and falls on his neck and kisses him and says, and he's already planning the feast and planning to, and the son's like, wait, wait a minute, dad, wait a minute, dad. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? You know, the, the son could have just said, you know what, this isn't even necessary. My father's rejoicing. No, 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 no. He went, he, he spit it all out. He got it out there and said, dad, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And the father is so excited and he invites the neighbors and kills the fatted calf and celebrates. It is a personal journey. Earlier, one of my observations was that it's a personal thing to be lost. And this point is that it's a personal thing to be found. It is a personal journey that everyone must make. I can't make it for you. You can't make it for me. We can't make it for... And it's a personal journey. And oh, how many people, how many believers over the years have longed for and prayed for somebody that's lost to be found. And we can't do it for them. All we can do is pray and encourage and long for a lost person to be found. How wise this prodigal son was when he came to himself, but along with that, how humiliating it was. But the point, of, one of the things I want us to note was, as, as he was displaying his humility to his father, his father was already rejoicing and planning for a, a, a great party and, and was just rejoicing. I believe that the father... Actually, on the son's face, I believe in the countenance of the son, he already knew that there was a transformation in his son. I believe he's seen, he's seen the son is different. This is a different boy than what left home. Just seeing him coming at a distance already, he already knew it. But the son humbled himself, and one of the observations we can make from that is that pride prevents somebody from being found. And when you think of somebody being lost in the house, somebody can, uh, I believe, can come to the conclusion, oh, it would be so humiliating. I mean, I've been, I've been a church member. I've been this. I've been, how, can, I, how can I possibly admit that I'm lost? But it's a personal journey that a person must make. And the truth is that all that happens is rejoicing. The angels rejoice. The shepherd rejoiced. The father rejoiced. Uh, the woman who found her coin rejoiced. It's just a whole lot of rejoicing. You know what the word found means in Greek? The word found means cognate. Do you know what the word cognate means? Uh, I had to do a little digging there. The word cognate, some synonyms would be alike, related, kindred, and so, think, think about this a little bit. 
the sheep, the shepherd returned the sheep to the 99. The lady returned her one lost silver coin back to the nine. She was rejoined with them. The, the son was rejoined with his father, cognate. Fellowship with its own kind. And so when an individual gets found, they cognate and they find themselves fellowshipping with their own kind. If you don't have to drive down the road too far, you go down Main Street in Marystown, you'll come to a VFW. And I've never been inside a VFW that I can remember, but I'm pretty sure I know what goes on in there. VFW stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars. And they gather, these people gather together in there and they, they talk about their memories and, and everything and their service that they had for the country. They cognate. And the same as uh, bring it closer to, to, into our circles. Sometimes when we get to fellowshipping and talking, we can cognate around hunting or trucking or mothers cognate around their motherhood and caring for babies and this type of thing. And so we, we tend to cognate together of people, of like-minded people. And so a person that was lost spiritually and is now found spiritually, they cognate together with other people that have been found. And we find uh, common ground in the fact that we're found and we're worshiping Jesus and we, that's where we are at home and it's where we want to be. We cognate together together. Brings me to my last observation, and this observation is the three unavoidable results of being found. Three unavoidable results of a person that was lost and is now found. And we see it in these parables and in the story of the prodigal. First of all, there is, and I have three subpoints under this. The first one is there is a connection with and a devotion to, spiritually talking, God. Physically talking, the coin was connected with its owner. The sheep was connected with the shepherd. The son is connected with his father. There is a connection and a devotion. To God, if you were lost and you're now found, you have submitted yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You are under his control. That silver coin is now under the control of the woman who lost it. That sheep, one of, one of a hundred sheep is lost. It's now under the control of the shepherd. Was lost, now it's found. The son is back under the control of his father. And so that's just an important point for us this morning. If I've, if I've been found, I'm under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've submitted to his lordship. My second sub-point under this is the, uh, cognition, which we already talked, with, talked about. I am connected with and devoted to the brotherhood. 
the local body of Christ and the larger body of Christ, I am connected to it. I'm open to it, open to the council of the brotherhood. I love it. I'm connected to it. I'm not out there. Uh, the shepherd didn't say to the sheep, oh, okay, you're, you can just live out here. Be, this is fine. You don't have to come back to the 99. The woman didn't put her the one coin off in some place other than where she took it back, put it with the nine pieces of, of uh, silver that she had. Uh, the, the prodigal son, the father didn't say, oh, I'm really glad you came home, but you know what? You can go live over there. No, you're cognated. You're back together. You are connected with the brotherhood. And the third subpoint under this, three unavoidable results of being found. The third one is a really big one, and that is widespread joy. There was there was joy, and the, the shepherd had joy. The woman had joy. She found her coin. The father had joy that the son came back. They had that much joy that in all three accounts, they say, hey, call our friends. And guess what? I found my coin. I found the sheep. My son came home, and we're going to have a party. This is amazing what has happened. They're just, they're just so full of joy. And so the logical point that we can draw from that is that it is impossible, in my estimation, that there's that much joy going around that the sheep, the coin's kind of dead, but the sheep and the son, that they don't also have joy. And my point is this. If you were lost and you're found, one of the undeniable, unavoidable results of that is you have within you a deep-rooted joy that you can't even explain. It's there. There's just a joy there, even in difficult days, even in when circumstances in life might be difficult, there's still a deep-rooted joy because you know you were lost and you know that you were now found. And there's joy there. And I believe that a deep-rooted joy is something that is very difficult to describe, but I believe it's a very real thing. If you don't have it, you know you don't have it. And if you're miserable, you know you're miserable. And lost people are miserable many times because they know they're lost they, they might try to kid themselves that they're not lost, but the truth is they're very lost, and they're miserable because of it. Little Riker sweeping, sleeping in the, the lawnmower grass catcher bag was not a happy little boy. Trust me, he was not happy. The sheep out there by himself was not happy. And the loss, the prodigal son was not happy when he decided, you know what, this is ridiculous. There has, uh, I don't, I need to go back to my father's house. The word joy in Greek means cheerfulness, calm delight, gladness, exceeding joy. Can the joy of the Lord be hid? No, I don't think so. Can the lack of it be hid? No, 
I don't think so. I believe that it's so evident when somebody has the joy of the Lord. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it, but you're familiar with this portion of Scripture. The last, what, from verse 25 down through verse 32 has a very sad account. It's the account of the brother, the older brother who stayed home, and everything looked right. He's working for his father. Everything looks so right. When his father, when the, when the younger brother came back and the father is rejoicing and calling the neighbors and planning the feast, here comes the older brother and he's all upset. Dad, I've been here all this time. And the father says, look, your brother was lost and now he's found. We need to rejoice And my point from that is that it's really sad, but I believe many times a person can look so right on the outside and inside there's something really wrong, desperately wrong. When a person can't, he he obviously didn't have the joy and he couldn't relate to the loss being found. When when God's children, uh, there's nothing... uh, that excites us more than lost being found. It's just, just wonderful when that happens. And here, everything looks so right. He's right there, and yet he couldn't join in and rejoice with his lost brother coming home and, and being found. What a, a sad situation. And so I trust this morning that, that uh, each one of us knows where we're at, whether we are lost or whether we're found. And my burden is that if there would be somebody here that is lost and would love to be found, would knows, it's, knows they're, they're staying lost by personal choice, but would, would like to make that personal choice to be found and to have a relationship with Jesus and to have real connection to the brotherhood and to also uh, have real joy that they've never experienced in their life. Uh, I just want to give a moment for you to, if there's anyone like that here, to respond this morning, to, to Come up, walk up front here. Somebody will come immediately and pray with you. And uh, you can find peace. You can go from being lost to being found this morning. And to having a, a, a caring shepherd uh, holding you tenderly. To having a, a, your father in heaven rejoicing and the angels rejoicing and the church body rejoicing because the lost has been found. And so, Eddie, just... Uh, uh, a verse of invitational hymn, just as I am, maybe if you we know that by heart. Let's just let's stand together, sing a verse of that, and if anybody here this morning needs to be, would love to be found, come forward and somebody will come and pray with you, and you can find salvation this morning. Let's sing.
Thank you. I'll close the invitation. And, and yet the invitation is always open. And please, if you find yourself uh, lost, wanting to be found, find somebody to talk with, find somebody to pray with, and find salvation that will bring real joy into your life. Thank you for your attendance and your attention today. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for a very good Sunday school lesson. Thank you for the fellowship that we have enjoyed with one another. And I thank you for your word as we looked into it and the direction that we can glean from it and the encouragement. I thank you so much that the word is so descriptive of what it means to be lost and that it's so descriptive of what it means to be found and how we, uh, the reactions of people when someone is found and the joy that it brings to, to be found. And I thank you so much for making provisions uh, through your son, Jesus Christ, that lost can be found. And I thank you for each one here this morning who has been found and just ask that you would continue to uh, guide and direct us in our Christian journey. Help us to have a burden for those who yet need to be found. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who is lost and not found, Lord, give them the courage, give them the humility to simply confess, I am lost and to be found so that they could share in the, the joys of salvation. As we leave here this morning, Lord, I ask that your grace, your mercy, and your peace would be our portion. Watch over and protect us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.